Well, good morning, First City Church. Thank you for joining us today and being here part of our worship as we continue in our study on First Peter. Today, we're gonna to be in chapter three. So if you'll turn to chapter three, uh, that's where we're gonna stay the whole morning. Uh, I'm sitting here or standing here in an empty auditorium because our internet service has been spotty and we've not been able to count on the fact that we'll be able to do this live. And so I've recorded this. It's the exact same message that I'm giving right now while it's live for the people who are in our worship service. So 1 Peter chapter 3. Today, Peter's going to talk a little bit about what it means to suffer in the name of Jesus. Remember, it was Nero who was the emperor of Rome, and he wanted to burn the city, and he did. And for nine days while it burned, uh, people started getting upset. They thought they were going to lose their homes. And so they, they, they started getting mad at Nero. And he needed to blame somebody, so he blamed the Christians. And then there was this pursuit to go capture all of the Christians, persecute them, and kill them. And so the Christians at that time were living in this moment of time where they felt like their life could end at any moment. Now, Paul begins to address this in chapter three. Look at what he says in verses 13 and 14. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Now, the people were saying, well, Peter, that's easy for you to say, but we're afraid that we're going to lose our life. We're going to lose our home. Wives were afraid they would lose their husbands and have no way to make money or to live. Children were afraid they would lose their parents. And so they were scared. And, and the, the real question that really comes in this moment of time, in this message, for the people who were listening to Peter at that time was this. What becomes important when you're fighting for your life? Now, for all of us at different times, we're fighting for our life. For some listening to this message right now, you have serious health concerns and you believe that you're fighting for your life. For others, it's a financial deal and you're afraid that you could lose everything or it wouldn't take much for you to lose everything and you're fighting for your life. For others, it's relationships or marriages and you're like, man, I'm fighting for my life or I'm fighting for my children's life or I'm, I'm, I feel like life is short. Life expectancy is short. I could lose everything. What becomes important when you feel like your life as you know it is being threatened? Well, I want to pause here before we get into the message and, and remind you, this is Peter who's writing this letter. Now, when you look at Peter's life and you read through the Gospels, how did Peter react when he felt like his life was being threatened? Anytime a serious situation would come up, Peter would talk to Jesus like, Jesus, we're not going to go to Jerusalem because we could end our life. I mean, this could be serious. And remember, Jesus had to say, you know, get behind me, Satan. He's like, don't talk like that. You don't have to be afraid of all of that stuff. Remember when they were in the garden and they came to get Jesus and they came to arrest him. Look at this. This is what Peter did. And, and this is, well, this isn't 1 Peter chapter 3. This is actually John chapter 18. 
Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? When Peter felt like his life was in danger, and he drew his sword and he cut off the ear of Malchus. Now, if you remember, Jesus put the ear back on, and while he did, Matthew records that Jesus told Peter, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. But what Jesus is really saying to Peter is, God has a path for my life. And, and even though it might involve suffering, am I not going to fulfill that path? Am I not going to drink from the path that God has laid out for me? And it may include suffering. Now, Jesus didn't want to go down that path himself. Remember, he had just finished in the garden praying, God, if at all possible, let this pass from me. But when that didn't happen, Jesus knew my job is not to fight against God's path for my life. And neither is it yours, Peter. You don't fight against what God has laid out for you. Now, later in the book of Acts, Stephen is standing up in front of a group of people and he is telling the story all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament up to the Messiah, to the life of Jesus Christ. And people got so mad at Stephen, they grabbed him, threw him in a hole and wanted to stone him. And as they were stoning Stephen for just speaking the truth, this is what Stephen said. Acts chapter 7, verse 59. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Now that's the way to die. To be at peace with God and to be at peace with your fellow man. And that's the way that Jesus died. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Into your hands I commend my spirit. And Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. To be at peace with God and to be at peace with man. That's the way to die. And so when we fear like we're in a life-threatening situation, what becomes important to us? Well, those are the two things. That we never lose sight of being at peace with God and being at peace with man. And believe it or not, that's what Peter's going to talk about in chapter 3. He's going to talk about how relationships are important, both with each other and with God, and how from the inside out, we have to maintain doing the path that God has called us on and doing it reverently, quietly, gently, and humbly. So let's look at chapter 3. What becomes important when you're fighting for your life? Number one, Peter says... Well, you fight for relationships, not against them. This is one of the easiest things to do. Whenever we feel like we're in a tense situation, whenever we feel like, okay, this is not good, and, and I, I don't feel like I'm in control, I feel like things are out of my control, and I can't predict the outcome. If I'm not careful, one of the first things I'm going to do is fight against the people who love me the most. Can you identify with that? Look at what he begins to say, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And he begins with wives. Now, first of all, he says, in the same way. So in the same way, if you go back to chapter 2, verses 22 through 25, you'll remember 
that it said about Jesus. He did not insult people when they insulted him. He didn't retaliate when they threatened against him. He didn't try to get revenge on them. He just humbly submitted. So in the same way that you just read about Jesus, wives, you must accept the authority of your husbands. Now pause for a minute. We're only really talking about when, and, and here this, you're in a home and he's talking to the wives. And if your husband is now acting in a way that you don't think is right, you still must submit to his authority. He's not talking about situations, wives, where you're being abused or where things are awful. And, and, and that he's not talking about that at all. However, he goes on to say, then if someone refuses to obey the good news, your godly life will speak to them without any words. He's like, these are women who now their husbands are in a tense situation. They feel like they're going to be killed or the best way to protect their wife is to turn their back on God, to not act in a godly way, to pretend they're not Christians. That way they can live. And the wives were saying, that's not right. You're not being spiritual. You're not being godly. You're not making wise decisions. And they're getting really intense and they're not respecting the authority of their husbands. And Peter says, pause. You don't have to fight against your husband to stand for God. You, you, they may be won over and you still need to uh, you know, observe a pure and reverent life. Ladies, still do what God is calling you to do. But you can do that without fighting against your husband. And this is one of the biggest things that women and wives struggle with is that when we look at the decisions of our husband, it's too easy to discount them or, or to say they're not doing the right thing or want to take over or disrespect their authority. And Peter knows this and he's like, first of all, you still need, while you're living a, a, a pure and reverent life, to respect your husbands and to not fight against them but fight for them. And they'll watch how, how reverent you are and they may be won over. It's no big secret that generally speaking, women are closer to God than men and that we really struggle sometimes with turning our back on God or, or going our own selfish way. And he is saying, ladies, you really influence men more than you know. You don't have to fight against them in order to do the right thing. And then he speaks to men. In the same way, husbands, you must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So treat her as you should, listen to this, so your prayers will not be hindered. One of the things that we struggle with, men, is we get real intense and, and, and we're ready to fight and we want to do something. And when we feel out of control, we get harsh. We get our mad face on. We, we act in a way that sometimes scares or frightens the, the women who have entrusted themselves to us and submitted to us. And we're not gentle and we're not understanding and we're not being kind. Just the other day, I was in the office 
and I was sitting out and talking to Savannah, and uh, I had a bunch of questions. And things were coming at us pretty quickly. Internet's not working. You know, mold could be growing. People are nervous. We don't know what the insurance is going to do. And so I'm asking, well, how much insurance coverage do we have? And will it cover sideways rain? What about, what about flooding? And what about stuff from the roof? And I'm asking all these questions. And I guess I was getting more intense. And Savannah just said, oh, Rick, I need you just to take a breath. And I stopped and I smiled at her and I said, am I getting intense? She said, just a little bit. She said, I'm, I'm kind of joking with you a little bit. And yet I am saying, I can tell that you're not at peace with where we are as much as I am. What do I need to do to help you come to peace with where we are and that it's going to be okay? She handled that in such a, a wonderful way. I, I, I love working with the team that I get to work with. Tyler has that same kind of spirit, and, and, and so does Taryn. We all really are intense in wanting to do the right thing. But boy, sometimes I can, you know, get intense. That A personality begins to come out in me. And that's what he's saying, husbands. It's okay to want to fight to do the right thing, but you got to be careful in the way you go about it. And remember, do it in an understanding and gentle way so that your prayers will not be hindered. And then for everybody, he says, all of you, men, women, young, old, all of us, you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. When things get tense, we tend to turn on each other. We tend to question each other. What are they thinking about? Did they think through this? Did they think through that? Or they don't care at all about, they should have communicated. You know, we just do that stuff. And what he's saying is, sympathize with each other, love each other well, be tender, and keep a humble attitude. You, if you feel like somebody's not doing the right thing, he's saying you keep a humble attitude. It will change the way you approach and work with them. And so those are things that he's saying, fight for relationships, not against them. And don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you, even if somebody didn't treat you right or the way you think they should have. Don't, don't repay them back with evil. Pay them back with the blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So even if you feel like somebody has not treated you well, or that they have acted or done something against you at the core of who you think you are, you still do not have permission to retaliate and go against them or try intentionally to wound or hurt them. That is not God at all. Humble yourself, be gentle, and you repay them with a blessing and God will bless you. Okay, moving on. Number two, what becomes important when you're fighting for your life, focus on the inward beauty of a gentle spirit. I really love this. And he first addressed this to ladies back in verses three and four, but he's really speaking of all of us. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. Don't measure your life based on what the world talks about or what they measure, how you look and how pretty you are and how, how, how the world sees you. 
You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. He says, you need to really focus on growing this gentle and quiet spirit. Spend time with God. Make sure that when you speak, you're not talking over people. You're not being angry. You're not trying to dress everything up and try to impress all those who may be watching. Instead, we're being gentle. We're being kind. We're focusing on what God is doing on the inside of us so that when it comes out, it blesses people. And he continues, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, keep your lips from telling lies, turn away from evil and do good, search for peace and work to maintain it. In all things, whatever you think people are doing around you, you go about it with a peaceful attitude. Keep peace in all your relationships. Keep peace in your soul. Keep peace with God. Because out of that inward spirit, we speak. And so let's make sure that what is in our heart, what's on the inside of us, is pure and holy so that we will speak and act in ways that bless other people. And then, what becomes important, number three, when you're fighting for your life, let others see how much you love God. This becomes really important. And, and, and he starts talking about our worship. Verses 15 and 16, you must worship Christ as Lord in your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. And so he's like, man, be at peace with your fellow man and now be at peace with God. Worship him with all your heart and let others see it. And when they come up to you and they say, how do you do that? When everything around you is falling apart, but you're at peace. Every, everything around you is, is scary right now. And yet you're still worshiping God. You're still praising his name. How do you do that? And then you be ready to tell them, this is how good God has been for me. I am not going to fight against God's path for my life because he's in control. The goal is for me to be forever with God. And as long as he gives me breath, I'm going to use it to praise his name. And I want you to be blessed. And he said, do it in a gentle way. You don't have to be harsh, but explain what is going on inside you that is so good from God. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because, here it is, you belong to Christ. Now this keeping a clear conscience, that's easier said than done, right? I mean, when no one's looking, when no one's watching, do the right thing. Keep a clear conscience. And then as others observe over time, they will notice that you live a good life because you belong to God. And so do the right thing from the inside out. And then finally, what becomes important when you're fighting for your life? Remember, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Look at what Paul says. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned but 
He died for sinners, and I love this last line, to bring you safely home to God. It really is all about Jesus. He has already done the heavy lifting. He has already done all the good work, all the hard work, so that he can safely bring you home to God. God has a path for your life. And he wants you to live that life for him. So when times get stressful, when you can't predict the end, when you feel like your days are few, praise God. Remember how Jesus lived. Remember how he acted. Remember what he did for you. Remember that he did suffer, but he took your sins and nailed them to a tree so that you could be free. And right now, he is working to bring you safely home to God. And you don't have to earn it. There's nothing you can do to be good enough for this wonderful gift of what God is doing for you. He just freely gives it. And now he wants to know, will you trust me with your life so that you can be at peace? Trust the journey that God has laid out for you. He will bring you home and people are watching and they will see how you live your life and they in turn will give their lives to God as well. I hope that in front of you today you have communion or that sometime today you're going to just share in what God has done for you. And that as you lay out these emblems of uh, wine or grape juice and unleavened bread or cracker or whatever these emblems are that you've placed in front of you to remember what Jesus did for you on the cross, that you're telling him thank you and that you're saying, Lord God, I struggle myself with what to do when my life is short or I feel like it's being threatened. I'm fighting for my life, but I don't want to fight against people. I want to make sure that I'm staying pure on the inside. I want to remember it's all about you, and I never want to abandon my relationship with you. To be at peace with God and to be at peace with your fellow man. And this is Paul's message for us. God transformed Peter's life. Jesus watched Peter go from a fighter to someone who willingly gave up his life because of what Jesus had done for him. He's doing the same thing in us. I want to pray with you that during this time, whether it's COVID, whether it's the storm, whether it's health issues, relationship issues, finance issues, whatever in your life is causing you to have some anxiety, that you can lay it down and be at peace because of what God has done for you. Can I pray with you? Lord God, thank you for all your amazing grace. Thank you for the amazing work that you have done inside our life. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. And now as we celebrate you, your life, your death, your burial, and especially your resurrection, we just want to tell you thank you. We so often fight against you and against other people whenever situations get tense in our life. We don't mean to. We don't even want to. Teach us how to be at peace. Teach us how to, how to accept the path that you have for all of our lives, even if it means we must suffer and go through things that we never wanted to go through. Help us, God, to be at peace with you, at peace with our fellow man, 
and use us to demonstrate your goodness to someone else so that they too will join us in heaven. We love you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you.